You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey guys, it's episode 243 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. We're brought to you today by GameAt.eu. 10% off your order is Event 10 and Panhandle3d.etsy.com. 15% off your order is PH3D15 off. And uh, Panhandle3D is 3D printed terrain and customized dice tumblers and dice trays and all sorts of stuff. GameAt.eu is pre-painted resin terrain and neoprene mats and um, STL files. So we got you covered on both angles. And who could forget the beautiful, sexy, good smell of Patreon patrons who keep this show on the air. Thank you so much. I love you all. Smooches. What are we talking about today? Well, we are discussing how easy it is to become a casual 40k hipster or Age of Sigmar as well, but specifically 40k. Very, very easy to slip into hipster territory. So we discussed that. Then Matt writes in and Matt is asking, why are there no more boobies or more, I guess, specifically nipples on demonettes? And is that a good idea? Is that healthy for the hobby? We discussed that. We we you're gonna hear the word nipple and booby a lot in that segment. Just uh just warning you. And then we also cover the Arbites, 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 Arbites uh box set for Kill Team, whether or not we want them. What have I been up to? Well, this week at the club, I did a demo game of Brutal Space for Ash, and uh, my friend Connor came, and he's already pretty familiar. He'd played several demo games of Brutal Space uh before the actual game came out. And um, we had a great game. It was tied. It was like neck and neck. End of turn one was like two to two. End of turn two was like three to three. End of turn four was like five. Uh, three was like four, five to five. And then end of turn four, uh, some really good rolling, some luckiness came out. And me and Connor were able to uh, pull it out. I think it was uh, eight to six, I think was the end of the score. And partially uh, because we had our flagship was three modules, which is nine hit points in this case. And it was down to a single module with a single hit point. And if Ash would have destroyed it, um, he would have gotten two points and we would have tied the game. But he attacked it a total of nine times and we tanked every single save roll. It was fantastic. So because he didn't kill our flagship... Uh, we won by two points. It was very, very fun. Then, don't think that I didn't get any Warhammer in, uh, Just James came over yesterday, and we played, and, uh, we did his new Bone Reapers, well, I mean, it's not new, but it's a new book, his Osiarch Bone Reapers versus my Night Haunt, and that, we did the randomized deployment I actually mentioned last week, um, in the narrative game setup, where it's, you number it one through six, and then you roll it. So we were playing a 2,000 point game. We rolled two square spots each. So we were randomized deployment. We got to place whatever units we wanted in those squares. But it was that was our deployment. And I got uh, the one foot, the whole right one foot board edge of my deployment zone. So if you think about my board from my perspective, my bottom right uh, one square foot and then the next one square foot between it and the middle of the board. So all my stuff was deployed on the far right side of a six foot board. And that was interesting. Then just James rolled deployment that was touching my center deployment on the right, um, all the way on my right side. So if you start at my bottom right, 
it was a one foot of my deployment, one foot of my deployment, and then one foot of his deployment going towards his side of the board. And um, then he also got one deployment on his backboard edge in the very center. So we had already scattered all the objectives. So we had we had objectives all over the board. And um, Night Haunt is slightly mobile. A lot of their stuff moves 8 or 12 inches. And then I can deep strike three of my units and all that. So his Bone Reapers were nigh unstoppable. But in the end, I was able to pull it out with... Um, I beat him by two points. So I beat him... I think it was 10 to 8, I think is what I beat him as. And... Um, no, no, I think it was 13 to 11, actually. I think it was 13 to 11 because we were over 10 points. But either way, I beat it by two points. I was barely able to pull it out because Night Haunt really don't have a whole lot to bring models back. But his Bone Reapers just kept bringing back his Mortec Guard left and right. So it was a little annoying, but um, I was still able to beat him on points, which was nice. Then uh, this morning I had my friend Nick over and we played a demo of Brutality, just regular Brutality. And um, we were a little short on time because he had other stuff to do. So um, I, we didn't get into the whole list building aspect of it. I just gave him a pre-statted list of my X-Men because he likes X-Men. And um, I uh, played one of my warbands. And uh, of course, you know, I'm playing a demo, right? So you're not trying to crush the person or play real hard. But I roll pretty well for demos, unfortunately. So that makes it a little harder. And um, so I ended up beating him by three points, I think. And I wasn't, like, necessarily trying to beat him. I was just playing the game. But I rolled pretty well sometimes. Um, one of the highlights of the game was his his Storm from X-Men. Um, she's an ordinance. So um, it's basically a lightning strike. And she was able to move and free action run behind one of my people and then strike him with lightning. And she got a critical hit, so it was three hits on him. And then my healer was right next to him, so he got three hits. And then she also caught Nightcrawler in the blast. He got three hits. Um, and both of my guys died. That was two victory points in, in one shot. And then Nightcrawler was wounded, but he survived. And uh, Nightcrawler eventually bled to death in the middle of an orc encampment because uh, my scout retaliated and gave him a bleeding, and then he died. So hopefully he had fun. He said he did. Hopefully he liked it. And um, the problem is there's like... Uh, he's a he's a list builder guy. He likes to um, do synergies and all that. And being that I didn't really cover any of the list building, um, he probably is not really aware of the uh, tons. And I've got four classes in Brutality, four classes, and each class has eight upgrades. So um, let's say 32 possible combinations. And then, of course, you got your two model traits. So you can up, you know, some certain different abilities or give an extra power or whatever. And then you get your model ability that you pick for your unit that customizes it further. And then you've got um, your faction trait, which we didn't use faction traits either. So there's a lot of uh, customization that he wasn't really privy to this time. But um, And also, we didn't even talk about monsters or locusts. So there's, that's a whole other class of unique that uh, we didn't discuss. But whatever. So um, hopefully it was, it was fun. And that's about all I've been up to. So I've been painting Trogoths. And, um, that's about it. Well, let's get on with the rest of the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, it's the Tesseract mailbox, and today we have a letter from Matt, and Matt writes in, Where did all the demonette boobies go? That's basically what he's asking. <laughs> he says, hello there. Why do you think they took nudity out of Warhammer? 
I'm not one to whack it to tiny miniatures, so it's not a kink or anything, but my old demonettes have their breasts exposed. Do you really think it's to appeal to kids? And do you think it's working? Now that we have no nudity, do you think that it's more palatable to parents than when it had nudity? I don't know. It seems like it has just dumbed down the source material. Matt. Well, Matt, we're all very concerned about the lack of demonette boobies. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm just messing with you. Uh, yeah, actually, I think it's probably a positive. And the reason why is that, number one, I was always a little irritated that there's so much more to Slanesh, the whole excessive side of, side of Slanesh, than just, like, sex. So I really don't think it's necessary to have boobs on demonettes and have, like, nipples showing. I don't think that's really necessary at all. Um, I don't think it's, like, the worst thing in the world if they did, but I also see that they're trying to appeal to a broader audience. Whether or not that works, whether or not they're getting more children in, I can't really tell you. But I can tell you that there is a certain portion, an unknown certain portion of parents that are much happier with the nudity being out of the game. And I would be one of them as well, I suppose. I mean, I um, I think most parents, including myself, try to like avoid sex scenes and TV shows and movies when you're watching stuff with their kids. Um, miniatures to me is a little bit different, but of course, obviously genital nudity is a lot different than a nipple too. But uh, I can't believe I'm even discussing this. But <laughs> uh, I think overall it's a positive. I don't know how many more children have gotten into the hobby. So I don't know if it's actually worked. Um, I also don't really agree with you necessarily about dumbing down the source material. I kind of get what you're saying. Because if you allow like gore and sexuality and things like that, it does make it more adult. And it does make it a slightly more realistic. But I think Games Workshop, especially now that it has shareholders and all that, I think that they really need to try to sell as many miniatures to as many people as possible. So they try to stay gritty where they can. Um, I'm pretty sure the fiends of Slanesh still have some boobs, but I don't think they have nipples. They have like half a row of boobs. So I think they're keeping up with some of that. Um, I think a, Demonettes and Slanesh in general usually were like, a uh, half male, half female, like it would have a row of boobs. And then on the other side, it would have like a, a breastless portion, um, like, a you know, half man, half woman. And uh, I just think all in all, I think it's kind of uncalled for to have nipples showing on miniatures. I just don't. It's always I, I personally, if you like it, then that's totally fine. Like everyone's got their own thing. And I don't I would not like, you know, shame you for having your old demonettes on the board. I don't think that's really the case. I just think that um, I think that it's not necessary for the game. If you want to paint nipples on your stuff, then go ahead and do it. And maybe that's the best of both worlds. They leave in some breasts, but they don't have nipples. You can paint them on if you want. And then the people that want nipples, then fine. You can paint nipples. The people that don't, well, then you, you don't have to. Uh, that's probably the best for their sales. Whether or not that's actually worked, I have no idea. Um, we do have a 13-year-old and 11-year-old in our gaming group, so there's that. But, I mean, if there were boobs on Slanesh, I don't know that their parents would care that much. I I just think it's kind of a non-issue, but I don't blame them for um, betting on the side of maybe we should just take this out and then appeal to more people. I think that's probably it. 
I would definitely say uh, genitals on miniatures would be way out of line. Like, we truly do not need genitals on miniatures. I think that is way, way too much, and that definitely would turn parents off. So, no, I don't really think it's dumbing down the source material. And I'm happy that they're expanding Slanesh to other things like Glutose to Scorleon for the uh, Hedonites of Slanesh, you know, where he eats a lot and all that. That's gluttonous. Um, I'm happy that they're doing that with Slanesh instead of, like, that's what I always said. Everyone's like, oh, oh, you know, sodomy and whatever with Slanesh. Ha <laughs> ha, sex, sex. And I'm like, well, okay, but there's other things other than, than sex for excess, right? You could just be compulsively doing anything. You could have a dude that counts a lot. Like, I know you've got the tally band or whatever in uh, Nurgle, but you could just have someone that counts a lot and he just keeps records or someone that's addicted to, like, drugs or just anything that's excessive. It doesn't have to be sex. So, no, I don't think that it was a bad move on their part at all to get rid of Hedonite, I mean, uh, Demonette boobies. And thanks for writing in, Matt. If you have any other miniature genital-related questions, <laughs> please write in at uh, pimpcron at gmail.com. And I will see you on the next side of this music. Want that or want that not? Hey, it's Want That or Want That Not from the Pimpcron. And I wanted to discuss today the Kill Team Extra... I'm sorry, I almost said Extraction Squad. It's Exaction Squad? What the hell kind of name is that? The Exaction Squad? Whatever. Um, it's Arbites, or Arbites, whatever you want to call them. It's the police. And it's a little bit of Judge Dredd thrown in there. That's a little bit of their aesthetic. It's $60 for 11 models. It's 10 guys and a Cyber Mastiff, which is pretty cool. Uh, I love the, um, I love the doggos. I think pretty much everybody does. He looks like a Doberman Pinscher, but he's at least mostly robotic. I think he's augmented, because I think he is a real dog. Um, his torso and his back legs look like a real dog. but um. This set is actually pretty cool. $60 is a bit pricey for me personally for uh, 10 models, but uh, it is pretty cool. They've got a lot of ranged options. They look really neat. I like their armor. Um, I like that they have a medic with a truncheon. He's pretty cool. Uh, he's got like a med case and a truncheon. They got a melee guy with like a, a flail of, oh no, he's got handcuffs and like an electric truncheon. And they've got a bunch of different weapon options you can tell, like bolt guns, bolt pistols, uh, a guy with looks like an all-spec scanner. They've got a lot of options here. And um, the armor actually reminds me a little bit of Sisters of Battle, and maybe that's intentional. Um, their armor looks a little like Sisters of Battle, and they've got one shoulder pad that's larger than the others that has, like, the Aquila on it and all that. Um, overall, I think this is an awesome-looking kit. I really do. I've always loved the Arbites or Ar Arbites. I even covered that and I knew how to say it right years ago. And now I forgot if it's Astartes and it's Arbites. Here you go. So it's Arbites. The Arbites look really cool. I like the guy with the handcuffs. I like the Mastiff. Um, I like most of the things in this whole set. I do. Um, there's a bunch of people that look kind of samey, which you you could kind of expect. There's like a sergeant guy with a drone. So there's that one guy is unique. Then there's another guy with the all spec scanners unique. And then there's another guy with the med kit is unique. And so is the dog. So there's four people right there that look pretty unique. And the guy with the handcuffs looks unique. So five out of 11 of them look pretty cool. 
The rest of them all kind of look the same. And I know they got different weapon options, but eh, they're kind of okay. Um, I could definitely see myself using these for Brutal Space. I do not play Kill Team because I'm not dumb. I'm just kidding, Kill Team players. But seriously, I don't play Kill Team. Um, the problem is $60 for this. I'm playing, I'm paying 60, uh, I'm paying $6 a model. It's an awful lot for something that I'm just essentially going to use for Brutality. So, I mean, I can buy more, most models on Etsy. I can buy a whole Warband for like $3 a model, roughly, if you buy a bunch of stuff. Some of them are 6 but, um, I don't know. This is just, if you're playing kill teams, obviously this would be awesome. If I'm playing this for brutality, I'm like, uh, there's cheaper and probably better options for this. So I suppose it's a want that not for me. Because even though the models look cool, even though I like their aesthetic, even though they've got about half of them are pretty neat looking models, the rest of them are kind of samey. Even though they get a lot of weapon options, all of that, personally me. Uh, I would say it's a want that not because it's a bit too pricey for me to use it for brutality and the models aren't unique enough to use them for brutality. And, but for the average person, if you're into kill team, 60 bucks, 11 models, uh, okay, I guess. I mean, that's the going rate, I suppose. Um, I really see nothing wrong with this box. Just me personally, it's a want that not. So hopefully that clears it up for you. And, uh, you know, who they really remind me of. The old human Blood Bowl team from the starter set, from the old starter set, their helmets look similar, their armor looks similar, similar, and the old humans from the Blood Bowl team had one larger shoulder pad that had an eagle on it. Like, legitimately, these guys look a lot like the old Blood Bowl humans. So, anyway, that's it for me. Um, let's get on to the next segment. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey, it's Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and today we are going to shoot a volley across your bow. That's right. We're asking the question, are fluff players just hipsters in 40k and Age of Sigmar? I don't know. Let's dive into it. If you've read any of my articles, or read my Epic War Planner, or just listened to the podcast in general, you'll know that I'm one of the least competitive players. Like, I like the tactics, but the list building doesn't interest me so much. I'd much rather just throw stuff on the board and then try to make it work the best I can. And uh, or like, oh, I just painted this unit. I'm playing them today or, or whatever. I'm not not a real competitive person, but I'm also not really a fluff person either. I think the fluff is neat, like the backstory and the lore and all that, but I don't commit it to memory. I'm even more centered on tactics and non-competitive list building. But even I noticed that it is a very slippery slip for a casual player like myself to turn into a hipster. Like, it's very, very easy, and sometimes I feel like I am just being contrarian and just being hipsterish. Now, how is that, you say? Well, go grab your mocha frappuccino and put on your horn-ringed glasses and go listen to this somewhere in a coffee shop because you're probably at risk of being a hipster. Let's talk about casual players and how we see it differently. Us casual players see the game in an entirely different way than competitive players. I just had a conversation with a friend at the store about an army. My half of the conversation was, wow, these models are beautiful. These models have so much style. They make me want to play them. His half of the conversation was, yeah, they're really powerful. Yes, they have very good rules. My friend James is also a casual player like myself and had a similar uh, conversation with someone when Idana Thiepkin came out uh, a couple years ago. And uh, his, you know, James was like, oh, the, the Idana Thiepkin 
have such awesome models. I'm going to start this army. And our mutual friend replied, I'm not sure if I'll start the army until they release the rules for them. If they're good, I might play them. Now, I get it. James gets it too. The rules are important and you probably don't want to play a total garbage army, right? I understand that sometimes like cruel boys come out and they're just not very good compared to everything else. And then it's harder to have fun with it because you like you're very underpowered or underwhelmed all that. Um, and this is an expensive hobby and the models are not cheap, getting more expensive by the day. But having said that, will you only play models that are competitive? That is very opposite to my personal way of thinking. I want my army to look cool and feel cool with neat backstory and neat models. And yes, of course, I would like my army's rules to be at least average. But I have played Tyranids all through 6th edition and 7th edition. So I think that says a lot about how much I care if an army is competitive. Because they were, Tyranids were like notoriously bottom of the barrel in 6th and 7th edition. They were just awful. They got a big bump in 8th, but I think that shows you. Another, another indicator is that I've owned 40 metal flayed ones since 5th edition. And if you know anything about Necrons, if you know anything about flayed ones, um, flayed ones have been awful until, I mean, they're decent now. I don't think they're incredibly good, but they're, they're decent in 9th edition. But here's the problem, getting back to the point. There's a social thing that happens, I forget what it's called, when a person is submerged in a different culture. Oftentimes... Uh, the person that is an outsider will find that their accent and mannerisms either change to fit the community they're in now, or sometimes their accent and mannerisms actually become more extremely different. It's like we unconsciously entrench ourselves in our native ways um, when we're confronted with the threat of another culture stripping us of our own. There are many examples of this. It also works with like religion, politics, etc. People will often go along with something they don't personally believe just because they the side that they support thinks that way, if that makes any sense. Um, they, they overlook those things simply because, well, not siding with their team means that they're technically siding against their team is the way they, they see that. Um, there is a, an island near us. Um, I believe it's Tangier Island, and it's in the Chesapeake Bay. And their dialect, it's, um, it's, it, it's a literal island. You have to take a boat to get to it and all of that. And they're pretty cut off from everyone else. Obviously, they have commerce, etc. But it's like a, a fishing village, and it has been since like the 1700s or 1600s. And they still have a very like British accent, which is funny because they've been like very insular for all these years. And... What's funny is they did like uh, studies on them and their British accent has actually become more stronger. That's not a phrase. It's become stronger over the decades as they've integrated more with regular America. So the rest of us sound more or less like I do. And then these guys over here are sounding like extremely British. And it's just kind of funny because it's something in us that doesn't want to lose our culture or lose who we are. So a lot of times it actually becomes more extreme. So getting back to the point, when casuals get around competitives, it's very easy to start taking the game less and less seriously from this weird thing that we do mentally to like retain our independence or whatever. Uh, while a competitive starts yammering to you about netlists and the new hotness, you start galvanizing yourself against that subconsciously, right? So the competitive's like, yeah, this new unit is really good. They uh, do X, Y, or Z when within six inches of another unit. 
and then you're like, uh, I'm not really interested in that. I like the models regardless. Sure, but I heard that this really neat thing they can do, uh, it's really nasty. It's really nasty on the board. I'm so casual that I don't care if they even have rules or not. I'd, I'd play them without rules. Yeah, I heard this army has some really good weapon options, too. Weapon options? Who cares about that? I'd play them even without models. Just cut out squares of paper and write the names on them. That's how casual I am. And this army gets its own terrain. It gives them X, Y, or Z buff. Who needs terrain? Or even a board? I don't use any of that. I just sit alone and I imagine the game being played in my head. You know, being casual and all. Yeah, I like to think of lists and strategize too. Well, uh, I'm so casual that I don't even play. Uh, <laughs> casual over here. Yeah, I get it. Sometimes just hanging out with your bros in the game store is enough to have a fun time. And the casual player just leaves, just walks out the door and never returns. It's like, in our distaste for competitive play, you gotta make sure that you don't let yourself turn into a casual 40k hipster. That's basically what I'm saying. There's really no pride to be had in not taking the game seriously. You know, you probably should still take the game seriously. But then again, those competitives, right? Screw those guys. The competitive nature of some players make the rest of us kind of like suspicious of everybody, right? Because how many times have you as a casual player, if you are one, have been like, oh, I just want a fun game. Oh, I just want a casual fun game. And the other guy's like, oh, yeah, I love fun games. And then he stomps you with 17 Archeons. Like, how many times has that happened? That's happened a lot of times in your life, probably. Where your definition of fun, and I covered this weeks ago or months ago in the, in the podcast, your definition of fun can be very, very different. So the minute someone starts talking about like, oh, these rules are really good, you start eyeing them up. Like, hmm, are you, are you a tryhard? And of course, I do have to make a distinction between competitive players and actual like asshole tryhards. There is a difference. Competitive players enjoy the list building. Competitive um, players enjoy trying to make a synergistic list. And they also appreciate, you know, the tactics and things like that. So competitive is not, I know it has a bad uh, connotation sometimes, but it shouldn't. Because competitive players are not necessarily mean or jerks or whatever. Really what we're talking about is the tryhards that make the uh, community suspicious of everybody. Because a regular old competitive player, if they have the social wherewithal and you're like, hey, I don't want to play a competitive game, they can typically tone it down and go, oh, okay, I won't bring all my, you know, I won't bring a tournament list or anything like that. I'll just throw something together. But then when you have the tryhards, like the guy that stomped the uh, 11-year-old the other week at the game club, um, they're just not socially aware enough. And I still don't think that guy's a bad guy either. I don't think they're bad people. I just don't think they pick up on the social cues. So every time you talk to somebody in this hobby and they start going on and on about the rules, you start going, uh, is this person a tryhard? If you don't know them, you know, if it's a new person you're meeting, just like James saying, oh, I like the rules. And he's like, he's like, I like the models. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, the rules are really good. Well, that's kind of like that's kind of a red flag for a lot of casual players. But it's very, very easy to just entrench yourself so that no matter what they say, you don't agree with them. And um, it does end up coming off very hipsterish. I find that myself sometimes where I will buy a model because I like the rules. Right. And someone's like, oh, that that model, you know, has really good rules. And I'm like, well, I bought it. You know, I didn't even care about the rules. I don't know what the rules are. But then I will be disappointed if you play the game and the rules for that unit just totally blow. You can't do anything. 
You can't accomplish anything with them. They're way overcosted. They don't have a role on the battlefield. So it's like you you got to find like a happy medium. You don't want to be so galvanized against the um, tryhards that you become a hipster. But on the other hand, you also don't want to become a tryhard yourself. And it's only the rules you care about, you know? I guess part of what I'm saying here is that there's so many different definitions for things, whether it be for fun. The word fun is so subjective. The word casual or fluff or competitive or tryhard or all of those have so many different connotations to so many different people that it makes it very hard to actually identify what this person is. You know, we need to like some sort of lawful good. Oh, my God, I need to make a I need to make an allied matrix. No, not allied matrix, a alignment matrix of the different types of players Yes, just like D&D, like good, neutral, evil, and then lawful, chaotic, and neutral. I definitely need to do that. So I'll start working on that. Anyway, thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show and Panhandle3d.etsy.com. And you can get the um, the discount codes in the show notes there. And of course, my beautiful, sexy, good smell of Patreon patrons. I appreciate all of you. I love you. I'll see you next week.